Welcome to She's a 10 times 5. You got it. That's the big 5-0. Listen along as we try to figure out our what's next as we venture into this new age of reinvention. Through relatable topics, real-life stories, and inspiring guests, join us on our journey of growth and laughter. Hey, I'm Lori, former Army Airborne Captain, but don't let that fool you. I'm the loose cannon. And I'm Lisa, a girl's girl who loves sugar, but watch out for that spice. Let's do this. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to She's a 10 Times 5. We are in Studio 50 today. Hi, Lori. Hi, Lisa. How you doing? I'm doing great. (laughs) Okay. Other than the fact that you left me hanging in the last interview on the song, when that's going to, you know, you're going to pay. I know. I'm sorry. I didn't know that song. You picked one that was just I gave out of you. My... I get no, no. I, I didn't gave know you. That one. I gave you it in you, advance, and you. I like it. it that was awful. <laughs> yeah, it was rough. You did a solo out, and it was mm-hmm. good. You killed it. You yeah. killed it. I needed mm-hmm. you to have your moment. Well, I was not any Linux or Aretha, and it's. <laughs> It, it was a dumpster fire. But, you know, I, I'm going to own it. You know why? Because I'm learning very quickly to own stuff. Oh, yes, you are. Let's talk about your little ventures you've had. Let, let me just point out, you, you've been on a little crusade. Uh-huh. And I love it. You're going out into the world and talking to people, getting out of Studio 50. But I'm not a part of any of it. Just so you know. Uh, you know she, yeah, yeah. And proudly not a part of it. Wait. <laughs> So, in, in fairness to me, though, Lace, this little venture that I'm on, which, you know, I'm always game for yes. a new adventure. Yes. D- there were two reasons why I started. One, I was helping a friend because she is trying to promote her business and do TikTok, Instagram, yep. and all these videos and get real-time feedback on the street. But, you know, I can only watch so much. And then I have to get in on the action because I have, I'm you a main need, character yes, person. Yes, you are. And you don't, two, you the I'm going through this uh, horrific remodel experience and I need to get the hell out of the house. Yes. So you've been going to the mall and going to shopping centers and interviewing people. Yeah. It's been so fun. It's it's actually a lot of fun. Yeah. With Randy Crawford, one of our fellow guests and good friends. So anyway, but you had a moment. I had a moment. And uh, you and Randy and well, it was you, Randy behind the camera. Yeah. And you're kind of a little viral right now. How are you I'm, doing with that? You know what? I'm trending on TikTok. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, we're, no, we're trending on TikTok, but. I wasn't there. Lucky you <laughs> that it's me in front of the camera because it's been both emphatically positive and also it's kind of it's. Yeah, I've got I've you know, I've got my first taste of haters on social media. <laughs> you know, I, I've hey, I, as I told my kids, I'm on the map. You're on the map. Good. And yeah, whatever. So it so, just goes to show, you know, we have ta- a sense of humor. Yeah. You, well, God, thick skin. Some of those really stung. I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Oh, God. I was reading them to my husband and I was laughing and then like, I need a moment. But <laughs> yeah. So go check us out on TikTok. We, we kind of blew it up. And uh, and God, the cookie shop, one there, they've been, you know, the kind of. Yeah. Poor cookie shop, and two, like everyone now wants cookies. So I, I feel like well, we need to get free cookies for life after this <laughs> shit. For sure. Okay, for but sure. Okay. but this goes to show, Lise, yes, yes. is we have this love hate relationship, you and I, as people mm-hmm. with social media. Yes. And we talk a lot about the negatives, but there is a silver lining and there's a positive. And today's guest, yes, is an example of us meeting a powerful, awesome, witty accomplished woman 
on social media. Right. Who has like-minded goals Yep, of, uh, and is in the same kind of wheelhouse that we're in. So she is. And she goes by the, the code name and handle of Empty Quester. We collided based on us becoming free birds and we did a little yes. thing and then the melding happened and, and then I fell in love with Donna. So let me give her her proper adieu. Yes, let's do that. Because she is a really great and accomplished and an intelligent woman, really sharp, which I, you know, I love that. I know. I love that. The air you breathe in is the air you breathe out. I know. I'm hoping, hey, Donna, I'm hoping, you know, I get some good air because I, I it's not <laughs> snapping like it used to be. Donna Korn is a speaker, writer, and facilitator on topics relevant to the 50 plus audience. Hello. Yeah. She's 10 times five. Through her live cohort workshop and speaking engagements, she helps people in this demographic to envision and activate their goals for the second half of their lives. And just for shits and giggles, I'm going to give you this. Wow. <laughs> okay. Wow. Yeah. You like she that? That's my little friend. Wow. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah. Here, for, he's here for the show. <laughs> okay. I'm going to get serious now. In 2019, Donna gave a TEDx talk in Manhattan. The newest workforce disruptors are over 50, where she highlighted the opportunities availed to this growing segment of the population. It is, by the way, it is a great TED talk. I mean, it was awesome. She included a call to action for younger generations and the media to recognize the enormous influence and spending power it wields. Donna spent over 25 years in publishing as advertising manager at Vogue, at Time Inc.'s parenting group, and as a co-founder of Elements, a regional luxury lifestyle magazine. She created Empty Quester, a digital platform to inspire empty nesters on a quest for their bold next chapter. It includes a blog and video series. She is often a guest on other podcasts on the topic of reinvention. She we was, know she, that topic. You know who she was rocking it with? Who? Ellen from Rock Your Midlife. Oh, yep. Ellen. Yes. She won on her show. Yep. She's mm-hmm. a founder of Change, a woman-owned payment processing company, a graduate of Cornell. Ooh, a little Ivy League. Yeah. I'm not worthy. Don is married for three decades with two world-traveling daughters in their 20s and her 13-year-old dog, Riley, who never leaves her side. Aww. She lives in Manhattan. Welcome, Donna. I'm sorry. We just got overzealous on that whole intro, did we? Okay, you have the floor, babe. How are you? Welcome. I am so happy to be with the two of you Freebirds because you have actually already, in very short order, um, followed, let's say, the path that I like to lay out for people who are looking for their next bold quest. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we... We just kind of, I was in a podcast and she was, let's do a podcast. And yeah. next thing you know, we're, we said, what are we going to talk about right now? We're going to talk about where we are right now. Yeah. And I think people, we've met people like you and so many others that are wanting to do the same thing and really explore this beautiful stage of life we're in. Yeah. Well, okay. So Donna, let's talk about you for just a second. Yeah. So I, I, I gave your beautiful bio, but there's always a story behind the bio. Give us a little snapshot of how you came to be at this place and why you're doing what you're doing with this new phase of life. So I think for me, it's been a path since I've been a young mom raising children. Because for me, it was um, very important that I 
have enough time to enjoy that life stage when the kids were small. And so I never fully left the work world. I always had one foot in one venture or another, but I gave myself a lot of space and a lot of runway to be able to be prepared for when the kids genuinely left the nest. And so about a year before um, my youngest daughter took off for college, we came up with the name. I thought I'd like to take credit that I came up with the name, but no, it was them. I was going to be the empty zester. And they were like, oh, God, no, mom, that's horrible. And um, the girls came up with empty quester because that's what it really was for me. I knew they were leaving. And I looked at this life stage very much like the two of you do, that this wasn't going to be a depressing and bereft, horrible time of life. And in the same way that the kids were leaving the nest and going off to some amazing adventure, this was a fantastic time to actually figure out what mine was. So I became the empty quester. And like you, I started to create videos and blog and write about it and found that there was a lot of buy-in, which I'm sure you're seeing too, you know, with your following, Mm -hmm. that a lot of women were also saying like, yeah, I feel really charged about this life stage. I am also an empty quester. Or in the case of, you know, people in your group, you know, hey, we are free birds. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So you said something and you and I have talked about this, Donna, the questing or whatever, that to me is purpose, right? A newfound purpose and, and with purpose comes identity. So can we dive into that? Because I think that's a, that's a huge rock in this phase of life that people have a hard time with. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about it. I mean, isn't it true? Uh, you both had kids mm-hmm. just leave the nest, right? Right. Yep. And if we're talking about purpose, when I did my TEDx, I talked about how my most monumental job, I spoke about Vogue being a very big job. And then I spoke about moving on to my most monumental job. And that, of course, was being a mom. So you, if you're a mom, you sort of have this purpose, you know what your day is going to be about. You know, even if you're a working mother, you know that your mind is always clicking about your children. And then when they leave, they really leave. They don't sort of leave. You know, maybe the first year they they sort of have a little bit of a pull towards home, but they really leave. And my kids are now in their 20s. And so you have to redefine that purpose. And I don't mean you have to go save the world to find that purpose, unless you want to, which is amazing. But I think you have to start to think about time and how you're going to spend it, what you're going to do with your life and this next life stage in a new purposeful way. Otherwise, you're going to be lost and you're going to be sad. Yeah. I was telling Lisa, there is actually something called the empty nester syndrome. Did you know that? There's like a syndrome. And as I read that, there was like five kind of elements of lack of purpose, Mm -hmm. frustration over lack of control, because now your kids are off and you, you know, you have no control in what they do and say. Emotional distress. Yeah. Marital stress. And then the last one's anxiety about your, your kids. How are they going to turn out, you know, type of deal. And for me, it still comes back to having that ability to be confident enough and have put enough investment in ourselves and that own little slice of, of our singular pie so that when this time comes, it's not easy. And I mean, like I'm a very independent person. Lisa's too. She's, we've both had careers. It's hard to say, mm-hmm. okay, this is it with the kids and the, you know, but you're able to do it because you have the ability that you've invested in yourself. And that's where I think I 
look at certain situations. And I think when we become so entangled with the children and what they're doing and their success and then and sometimes their failures and we swoop in to save the day. What, what do you think about that? So you're, what's your perspective on that? Right. Well, there's a lot of opportunity to swoop when they're, you know, living in your home. And well, yeah. I think what I said uh, a little bit before is that you have to start weaning yourself mm-hmm. off of that involvement. And I, I don't know if you would agree, but it really started for me. It started when the kids went into middle school and that coincided with the time that I actually um, got involved in the launch of a magazine in my local community, which published four times a year. And so I had the understanding then that I had to start creating something for myself. So right now, you know, I'm in my uh, mid 50s, but I started to think about these things really back in my mid 40s and started to lay the seeds and the groundwork of what I would be interested in doing and what I could do so that I never completely abandoned working and my career or my passions or my interests or writing or speaking. I always kept a foothold in that because I knew that day would come. And I, you know, you learn it when your kids are in high school, right? I imagine there's a lot of anti, you know, a lot of pushback on swooping, even on the West Coast, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, uh, and that only becomes, you know, eventually you're, you're really moving further and further away out of their lives. You know, you're always going to guide them. So um, in terms of redefining purpose, I think you have to start way in advance because otherwise it's going to hit you like a ton of bricks. I agree. And Donna, you actually had the foresight to see that. Um, I can speak personally. I totally was that opt-out. I'll never forget seeing the morning show, was today's show or something, talk about the opt-out mom who literally opted completely out of the workforce world. And it was kind of, I mean, we didn't have social media and everything that would have made it easy to stay in. So I think kudos to you for, for force seeing that ahead and keeping yourself balanced, but there is a whole bunch of us that didn't. And so it, the relevancy or feeling of lack of relevancy and all of those things definitely compounds that feeling of lack of purpose. So I think it's great that we have these opportunities now to find our passions and our things like that. But I I commend you for having that foresight. Yeah. No, but I think that there's a lot of good news because it's not like, I mean, there's so much I could say about that. It's not like you become a mom and your brain goes to mush and you opt out and all the skills that you had when you had your higher powered career go away. Right. You know, they don't. And maybe they're rusty. The good news is that there are lots of opportunities to opt in. And even though it might not seem that way and you have to shore up your confidence, there are so many programs. There are returnships in and national uh, companies and there are all kinds of ramp up opportunities. And then there's just the entrepreneurship angle, yeah. which mm-hmm. is really what you're doing now. And so I think a lot of it is about, you know, squashing that negative speak that women are just mm-hmm. so good at and really Um, thinking about and journaling and focusing and vision boarding, all the things that you know that you're good at. Because I would say that even opting out and being a full-time mom, it doesn't make your skills less. It actually makes makes your skills greater, don't you think? I do. I do. I do now. I remember feeling not, I didn't feel that way, even though I was doing amazing things while I was a mom and running school boards and things like that. 
I didn't see it as that. And now as I'm older and wiser, I look back and I go, Jesus, Lisa, cut yourself slack. You did a lot of shit. And, but in, when you're in that moment, you don't see yourself always that way. So it's nice to be on the other side of that now and, and realize that there are so many opportunities for this bracket of our age bracket. Yeah. What's kind of interesting about this is that there's the emotional side, there's the mental side, there's so many facets to this. And I think one thing that I have, as I've talked to a lot of different women who are either on the precipice or have entered, and we call it free bird or empty nesting, is I think people that have a hard time breaking that identification with their kids. I think those are the, those are the ones that I think really, really struggle with kind of putting themselves out there. There's this thing called guilt that we still struggle with. I don't, I don't know if you do, like, there's a lot of things I want to do. And even I find myself, like, I have to say, Laura, you earn the right to go golf on, on a Wednesday afternoon. It's okay. Cause I feel like I should be being productive. Like, well, you know, I need to do this around the house. I should be running those errands or whatever. So let's talk about the guilt thing because we have guilt as moms. And, you know, as she said, opt out, like we feel when we're not doing things for others that we Mm -hmm. feel guilt. Mm -hmm. And then we get in this new phase where it should be our time, but we're still struggling with that chasm of and paradigm of I want to do that, but I should be over here doing productive things. I think by the time my girls left the house, I was ready to take that time. And I don't, I, what I'm hearing here a little bit of is like compassion, right? Mm-hmm. We spend the whole of our children's lives encouraging them, bringing so much compassion to the role of parenting, telling them to be gentle with themselves and kind with themselves. The world's a tough place. You know, be kind to yourself. And then when it comes to us, we finally have this runway to do it. We're not well-trained to do that for ourselves. And you both talk about sisterhood. Like, I love how you talk about sisterhood. And I think that's sort of the gift of sisterhood. Like, if you have a friend, and I'll take that role, that friend who sort of blazed that trail a few years prior to you first entering it now, you know, somebody to say to you, oh, my God, lose the guilt because you've been in a two-decade devotion path where everything has revolved around other people. And if not now, when? This is your moment. This yes. is your time. Yeah. And and truly, they're not, lo- who's looking for you? <laughs> you know, unless you're in that tough life stage, which a lot of people our age are, and, you know, they're sandwiched between aging parents, yeah. right? That could be a really big issue for people. But if you have, and, and the other thing is you never know what's coming around the corner, especially when you're in your 50s. And there could be health issues. There could be so many issues. So if you get this, it's almost like a secret golden moment. Yeah. Right? The house gets really quiet and you just have to remember to feed the dog. And maybe you need to have dinner ready for you and your husband like mm, twice a week, maybe, you know, if you want to do it. But this is your time. So I, I can't say that I struggled mightily with giving myself that time. I have to tell you, you nailed it for me. That is like my life right now. Like, you know, I just have to worry about, oh, someone said, oh, don't you just love your dogs? I go, I do love my dog, but my, my dog is now a burden because I kind of want to be totally free. I don't want to have to come home and check on the dog because I want to go do something all day if I want to or go on a trip on the weekend, whatever. We're really enjoying that. It's like, hey, hon, I don't have to worry about who's going to be home for dinner. Who's not coming home? Who has a sporting event? Who has a... It's like, 
what do you want for dinner? I don't know. What do you want? I don't know. Let's do nothing. Let's do something. Or it's let's, so or let's each do our own thing. We do that. Yeah. Now. Yeah. yeah. You have that. Yeah. I'll have this. It, you're right. It is. If you can give a paradigm shift to it, that it's an opportunity to have fun and look at it as a golden moment. That's how I see it right now. And that's how it feels to me. It's really fun. Yeah. You said something. They're not going to be looking for you. Well, Unless there's money (laughs) or they want, you know, there's a problem, right? Oh God, mom, I got this professor. And I always had one of those discussions, but I'm going to, I'm going to say this because they are a hundred percent looking at us. They may, they may not looking for us, but they are looking at us. And if you think for a moment that we're not setting an example for them, yeah in what it means to live and be happy and thriving and continue on. Like, you know, Lisa and I were laughing. It's like, do you think that we're just going to sit around and like, you know, pine away and knit booties? No, we're like, they, they want to see us doing that. And, and don't you think that as well? Lori, I think it's not only that they want to see us doing it. I think I've heard you say it before. They need to see us doing yes. it because yes. as much as they're off on their own, it's it's not a good or safe feeling for them if they feel that we are a wreck. You know, yes. I know with my kids, anything that I ever did after they left the house, anything with them, anything I did with Empty Quester, um, I wrote an article, it got published in the Washington Post about this life stage. And I did that TEDx and they went crazy for it. They were so supportive. They were so delighted. And I think the word is a little bit relieved, like not like, wow, what's mom going to do with herself? But like, wow, look at what mom's doing with herself. So I think that they not only want it, they need it. It gives them freedom, right? It gives them freedom to do their thing. Amen. That was perfectly said. Yeah. God, they love to see when we post, when we're out with our friends and we're doing different things. Don't you think, Lise? You know, we, whether we go boating. (laughs) What do your kids think of your podcast? Uh, my girls are very proud. I think they like it. I think they listened to the wrong episode the first time and got a little too much TMI on mom and dad. And they were like, why did you make us <laughs> I know the episode. <laughs> I know that episode. I'm like, well, I don't think I pointed you to that episode. That was what, what episode was it? I don't yeah. know. It's just, just imagining mom and dad being married, I guess, other than taking care of them is really hard. They don't listen as much anymore. But I will point them to episodes that I know they'll benefit from, but they're very proud and excited. Yeah. Boys are a little bit with mom. They, they make fun of everything I do. At the top of the show, talked mm-hmm. about the TikTok journey we're on right now because <laughs> it hasn't ended. And I said, oh, I go in when I sent my text to them and I said, well, I'm on the map. And I go, apparently I'm a um, entitled Karen. My youngest said, well, you are. <laughs> so they, they like to hand it to me, but but I do know they are very supportive and they show me in their own special way. And I will tell you that at family weekend, it was really special. I was relating this to Lisa. There was a couple girls that I've known for the almost four years that Connor has been there, my oldest. And they said, you know what, Mrs. Jabari, you're... Connor's so proud of you. He talks about you all the time. So I think that is a roundabout way. I think they are very proud. And Mm -hmm. I think maybe sometimes they're like a little bit like, oh boy, here we go. Right. Mm -hmm. With certain things. But I think they're very supportive because I think they know it's making us happy. Right. I mean, you always want to see the people you love happy at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. 
You know, we spoke also a little bit about how I believe that it's so important in our marriages. You know, marriages take a shift too when kids leave the nest. Yes, they do. And kind of get recalibrated. And I think our husbands get a little sad and a little, you know, a little disoriented when the kids Mm -hmm. leave the nest. And I think that if we're really disoriented and we don't have a path or a lane that we're excited about, it puts a great burden. Like one would pivot from their kids and the focus on the, you know, laser focus on your children. You know, mm-hmm. you might be inclined to laser focus on your husband. And that's a really bad thing for a marriage. So I think there's a lot to be said for having doing your own thing that lights you up. So I agree. Be great your marriage. Yeah. Well, Lisa and I were joking because it's not just us that become free birds. It's our husbands, too. And mm-hmm. some of them struggle more than we struggle. <laughs> And I'll just tell you anecdotally, you know, personally, whatever, is we're kind of going through a phase where we're struggling with his need to weigh in on everything I do (laughs) and manage me and be overly involved in details that once were unimportant because I think he's obviously feeling a void that of something. And I think part of it is, you know, we're, we're also getting, you know, our co- careers are winding a little bit. You know, get, the cadence is slowing down a little bit. I don't know. Like, what do you think about that? Like, husbands have to be kind of coached, right? Yeah. It sounds like he needs his own lane. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, you know, yeah. He needs his own lane. We, we don't need to be lane. Everybody needs their own lane. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he gets underneath the hood of stuff that like, I'm like, oh, my God, you you had a 35,000 person organization. And like, what the hell are you doing worrying about if I use the Amex or the visa at the shopping? Because there's a 10 percent kicker on something. I just like don't. So it, that has been a challenging. And I and I think you bring yeah. up and the whole reason why I'm saying is I think you bring up a, a good point about marriage is, you know, we assume that that's not going to take transition and work. And I think it does. I agree. And I think that it puts more of a spotlight. It puts spotlight if things aren't good and it puts a spotlight on the things that are good. And I think that it's, it's something that a lot of people in our age bracket aren't prepared for, or maybe they're avoiding, right? I mean, I don't know. Have you had that come up in any of your situations? I think it's a moment in time where a lot of couples, once Mm -hmm. the kids are out of the house, you know, nothing that we don't all know, but you know, it's a moment uh, yeah. where kids leave the house and a lot of couples fall apart because the glue that kept the marriage together is no longer Those there. kids. Yeah. So, yeah. But it can be a really, it can be a wonderful time for it, a couple too. I agree. A lot of fun. Yeah. I agree. I think so much, and we've been talking about this a lot lately is the mindset. And I think that's mm-hmm. where I, I'm just for, on my personal journey. I'm, I'm really trying to work through because I think it's the way in which I, take things in now and process them and then therefore output and acknowledging the things that I need to work on. And because I think Lisa's right. I think sometimes in the whole mayhem of raising kids and being involved in the community and doing all those things, you sweep a lot of shit under the rug. And then all of a sudden it quiets down and you become more aware of the things that one, you know, might bug the shit out of you about a certain situation or two you're not comfortable with or three you're, God, how do I do that? And you really have to communicate, be honest and communicate like never before, at least in my opinion. You said it at the top. It's quiet. That quietness 
can be filled with argument. It could be filled with frustration. It could be filled with laughter and good times, or it could be filled with distance and growing apart. And it can be filled with, you know, even separate and apart out of relationships, it can be filled with rumination. It could be filled with a negative loop. It could be filled with anxiousness. And I think you talked about, you know, being more mindful. There's so many modalities that we can turn to, particularly as women. You know, there's so much focus now on breath work, on mindfulness, on yoga, on things that help us to center ourselves and, and get in touch with what we're feeling. To, and then that creates sort of a uh, landing page, if you will, to build upon, right? right? So if you use that quiet in a positive way, you know, that's a place where then at that point, it's a blank canvas. At that point, you can start creating whatever you want on it. Mm, I love that. I do too. You know what else about the quiet? We got a nut problem in my house. <laughs> oh my God. When it's quiet, that's when he decides my husband to open up that Costco bag of fucking pistachios <laughs> or the peanuts within the shell. And when it's quiet, that I see red. Like I <laughs> you mean just need to go watch mm. something in the other room. So why are you in the house? I know. No, it's it's something. What I did as I got really upset because I kept saying, God, you know, I got this issue with noise. Like I was a hint, 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 get the hint. And then um we had a box of like, you know, those pens that you stick in bulletin board, not thumbtack. Well, anyway, it doesn't matter. If if you take stuff like that and then you turn on the garbage disposal, that puts the message pretty clearly. Yeah. So that's the joke. And so now what I tell him, I go, oh, I see you're getting the nuts out. You need to turn on the TV. So I, you know, okay. Just a little diversion, just a little reality, you know? I mean, look, this that's a relatable thing. I bet you yes. there's other women out no, there that have true. a pistachio issue. Yeah. Or there's a whole movement yes. against men cracking nuts at inopportune moments. Yes, yeah. I've heard about that. Oh, God. Wives that. against nuts. One. <laughs> oh, I love that. Wives against nuts. I'm the president. There you go. <laughs> <Back Hashtag. down. laughs> Ooh, but that's my new moniker. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah. I really took us off, off the highway, didn't I? Yes. Yeah, I do that, you know. Okay, so Donna, one of the things is you're doing a lot of work and you've, your TED Talk was really good about this, illuminating this age group. And I right. think sometimes the stereotype is we're on our way down or it's time to wind it down. And that's the least farthest thing from the truth. So can you kind of share some of the f- factoids with our rockin' age group? Oh, for sure. Yes. Well, one in three people in our population are 55 and older. And that's a statistic that's only going to keep growing. Yep. And the fastest uh, growing segment in the workforce, which is a shocking fact, are people who are older than 60. There's a lot of reasons for that. You know, uh, retirement accounts have been hit hard. Mm-hmm. So uh, people are living longer. Right. There's um, huge advances in medicine and wellness trends. So people are living longer. And so we really need to work. We might want to work for excitement, but we need to work. So there are more people entering the workforce. One in four businesses in 2019 were started by people 55 and older. So that's a big yay for entrepreneurship. 
And as I had mentioned earlier, there are 70 uh, national companies that have created returnships, which, you know, really speaks to what you were saying before, Lisa, about not having confidence. Mm -hmm. That's a vote of confidence for major companies. And I'm talking about, you know, Amazon, Google, American Express, and they're willing to train to bring people who are older and have not been in the workforce for a period of time back into the workforce because we're really an amazing talent there's a, uh, you know, a dearth of talent in the workforce right now. This is an amazing age group to choose from. We mm-hmm. know how to work, too. I mean, I'm, I'm going to throw props to our age group. I think we grew up in a time where we grinded it out. We had to be patient with success. We, we rolled up our sleeves and mm-hmm. that just doesn't go away. And I know this to be a fact, Jack, because... Sometimes I look at my kids and that younger generation. I'm like, are you, God, are you kidding me right now? Like, this takes time and you got to work and, you know, I have to like, but yeah. (laughs) So I can only imagine an Amazon thinking, my God, this is a resource we need to tap into because they're part of the generation that hustled and didn't complain and just did, ate shit and said yummy. Yeah. (laughs) And then it's also maturity. Mm-hmm. You know, and just the way that yeah. younger yes. people work today, you know, they they move quickly, they get disinterested in something, they move on to the next job. You know, that's not the way we think. That's not the way we work. And so there's a certain discipline or maturity about how we approach work. So that's exciting. There is a wonderful company called Second Shift, and they're all about the gig economy. And they are a portal, if you will, of all women who want to uh, offer their services in the second half of life in a gig and a part-time sort of basis or contract type of basis. So when you get into the conversation, you start to see that there are pockets everywhere, you know, in our culture that Mm -hmm. are looking to support us and help us in our journey to revitalize or to continue to work. That's amazing. Yeah. For me, the real problem is the media. The real problem to me is the media because they picture us, you know, it's astonishing to me that we are responsible for 70% of all consumer spending, 70%, 70 that's like a wild number, let alone all the the purchases that we influence for our children. But Mm. yet we are not the target audience. 18, what is the target marketing audience? 18 to, what's 34. 34. Yeah. When I was the most cash strapped in my life was is the people that you're marketing to. It just blows my mind. Right. Yeah. And part of the problem why that happens is because ad agencies and brands are filled with people who are 18 to 34. Right. So they don't even have a they, they don't even have a concept of, mm-hmm. you know, the vibrancy of somebody who is in this age group. So it really bothers me. I mean, that was also part of the reason for starting Empty Quester, because it really bothered me that the brands, any, anything that was ever sold to me in the media was represented by somebody who was like 30 years younger than me. And that to me was a tremendous disconnect. And I think there has to be a lot of pressure put on brands to have the right representation right. in campaigns that actually reflect the way we look and the way we live. Agreed. Well, I will tell you one brand that does not have that issue. Depends. <laughs> Well, that depends. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, look at that. That depends on depends. I know. Yeah. No, I agree. Ageism is a topic of conversation that has definitely 
been coming to the forefront for a long time. You see people like uh, Paulina Porskova. She's a model from our generation who talks about ageism and being invisible after a certain age as a woman. And, you know, adding a woman on top of it compounds that invisibility. And it's it's mind-boggling to me that it's still a norm to dis- ignore a whole chunk of the population because of an age. I just, I don't understand it. I just don't get it. Yeah, I agree. So I'm going to give you an example. We, again, as we said at the top of the show, love-hate relationship with social media, and we're also not very savvy with it. And I, not because we can't be, because it's just not an interest of ours. And yeah. I just don't like getting under the hood of algorithms and, and predict. It's not my thing, and it's certainly not Lisa's. And we don't, even if we had the time, we don't want to spend the time. Right. That being said, you reach out to someone in that space, you know, one of these gunslinging social media people, and they're by and large 32, you know, like they're young. And trying to get them to understand that their methods don't work with our age group is beyond. They want to make you look like, you always say, like the sorority houses or, and it's just like, you, you try to explain to them, well, yeah, that's not what interests us. That's not right. what, what galvanizes people to our brand. And that's a challenge too, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But you know, something very good is happening that I'm seeing in this space, and that is collective thinking. Because it's not, what we need to do is all of the, um, let's call us influencers in this space, need to be collectively working and speaking together. Mm -hmm. Because independently, you know, we each have a little bit of exposure. And I'm involved with an amazing magazine, a digital magazine called Pro Age Woman. And those are all women who are actually even, it's directed to women 50 and older, but many of them are even 60 and older. And the, the way to describe it is they are badasses. They're badasses. They're writers and they're speakers and they're thinkers about what's wrong um, with society and the way that women of an older age are perceived. And their mission is to tackle that and to tackle that by collectively working with other influencers to make our voices heard in a very significant way. I love um, that. Okay. So Last little bit, and then we'll move on to a little bit of fun and let people know where to find Donna, the empty quester. It's a journey only for the brave. (laughs) All right. So talk about the cohort thing, because I thought that was very interesting when we had our sidebar, that little bit of pathway that you're doing for others is fantastic. So kind of lay that on us. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that sometimes, and I think we actually identified it in this conversation, you know, women just need a little bit of push. They need a little bit of confidence building. You know, they have that feeling that, you know, there can be more and I can do more and I can find something that's going to light me up and make me excited, but they just don't really know how to get there. Okay. And um, I'm not a coach, nor is my aspiration to be a coach, but I am very much a facilitator of these kinds of conversations. And some years ago, I learned the technique of vision boarding, which is actually spending time creating, thinking, and reflecting, and then creating a vision board for oneself. And when I first did it five years ago, I put very random things on it, and I was coached by somebody, and I put very random things on it that I was was hoping to achieve. And one of them was a TEDx. 
And one of them was getting published in a national publication. One of it was doing a talk um, at Bloomingdale's, specifically a talk at Bloomingdale's. And so I took images of all of these ideas that I had that I was a million miles away from actualizing. And then I took a picture of myself and I stuck it on the vision board. And that vision board lived in my house for months. And every day I would get up and I would um, see that vision board and it would urge me to activate and to take action mm. to make those things materialize. And I did it. And within the year, everything that was on that vision board, I had materialized and I'm not superwoman. I don't have superpowers. I don't have super connections. I had a Google search for that TEDx. And I, so the reason that I teach this cohort class, which is work, it's sisterhood. It's working with other women, getting together who are all like-minded, who want to figure out, gee, what is my vision for this next life stage and how do I activate it? And then with that collective energy, just spending a little bit of time to get that push to get going. And it it's one of the most fun things to do. I love that. I love that. You strike me as somebody that would do a vision board for sure. And you know who also, Bev did a vision board and she's killing it right now. She basically, it was a friend of ours who was a guest and also, also had a, a podcast and she started her next career. She took, the vision board was her catalyst to get out of the career she had been in for 30 years and thought, once I leave here, I'm going to retire, but didn't, she wasn't happy with ending there. And that vision board catapulted her into just an amazing next step in her career and the guts to go for it. And she loves that, that, that she attributes a lot of her success to that planning, if you will. And the reason I do it as a workshop instead of a long course is because if somebody thinks like, wow, I have to sign up and it's going to be weeks, mm -hmm. it's going to be hours, it's going to be homework, it's going to be hard, they won't do it. And so that's why I teach a two-part, two-day workshop. And we have music, we have laughter, we have vibes, we have, it's, it's fun. It's not arduous. It's just, let's get you from here to there and let's take the quickest path that we can to get you there. Quick um, and fun. I love both fun, of those. Fun. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. 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 Thank you for that. And I, I love your story about the vision board because I, I would agree. I've, I have known so many people mm -hmm. that have done that. They can say how instrumental it was right. into helping them achieve certain goals or at least try to get certain goals accomplished. So, I mean, it goes back to that old adage, you know, people would hang a picture of what they, you know, their goal weight or whatever, hanging or uh, imagining themselves cutting it out of a magazine and putting it on their office wall or their refrigerator. Those are all, you know, versions of the beginnings of what a, a vision board is, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I had on my refrigerator a picture of oh, no. Rob Lowe, and no. that didn't work out for me, Lisa. Yeah, I know. There's time. There's, There's time. time. Does he crack nuts? <laughs> well, you know what? She'd like to. That, that, I can overlook that if it's Roblo. I ran into him recently last year at Il Molino. Yeah. And he's smoking hot still. Always was. Yeah. Always was. Yeah. Always this is a problem though with um, podcasts because he's being talked about on way too many podcasts. I know. Yeah. Well, and Lisa and I actually called his, the lowdown line to see if we can get Roblo love and, after we analyzed, you know, post call like analysis was that maybe I came across as a stalker. So 
Oh, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. That's right. All right. Where do people find out more about you and yes. your resources? Well, you can find me on my Instagram handle, which is EmptyQuester. You can check out my website, which is EmptyQuester.com. Mm-hmm. Really easy. And, um, and if anybody's inclined, it'd be great if you want to check out the TEDx, which you'll find on YouTube. Uh, under my name. Awesome. And I will put all of that on our link tree as well to make yeah. it easy for everyone to find it. Yeah, that, so. that TEDx talk was, it was, it really was good. It was just spectacular. Okay. I don't want to interrupt you, but I really have a question for you guys, right? Because okay. yeah. it's what I do. What's next? What's next? Yeah. Mm. World domination. No, for oh. us, gosh, you know, that's a good question. I, I think we've been kind of a little bit autopiloting. Right. We've been, you know, talking I, about I'm our goals. about organic growth and like, you know, I don't like to force things that, you know, forcing sometimes to me feels like um, it's not authentic. So um, I'm I'm all about taking it as it's supposed to go. Um, but then I also work full time and do other stuff. But I think I for me, what's next is seeing where this goes. Also, you know, my husband and I and our business continuing to grow that while enjoying our daughters in the space that they're in, wherever they are. Having fun, really, for me. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that the one beautiful thing that's come out of us doing this podcast is Mm -hmm. the network and relationships that we've cultivated. Mm -hmm. And they've led me to other opportunities or avenues or, you know, discussions. And so I'd like to continue to be open-minded about those things, because I think for me in this phase of life, what gives me, and she's heard me say it over and over, psychic income is the give back and the pay forward. And the more I can do that, because I do feel like I have been blessed with a lot of great mentors and people that took me under their wing and gave me a chance I feel like that's what my kind of passion and calling is. So any opportunity I can do to do that for other women, young, young women that I'm all about it. I'm here for it, baby. Yeah. How about you? What's next for you? Ooh, turn the tables, Lisa. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think what's next is to continue to do um, what I think is really important to do for our younger children and especially for our younger daughters and that is to break down societal um, views about what it means to be, you know, a woman in her 50s. And mm-hmm. I think about my girls and, you know, they'll be here in the next, you know, 20 something years. And it's really important that between now and then we change the way that women in particular are perceived. I... So that, that'll keep me busy for the next. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, I feel so years. simple now. You, you got a lot. You got time, <laughs> but it, it's right. You're right. It's right around the corner. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Well, thank you. Yes. Thank you for asking that. Actually, it, yeah. it kind of you kind of got me a little bit. You know, which is rare. Tongue tied, or yeah, I know. Okay, you re- I, I'm going to put you in the hot seat now. You ready? Okay, she's ready. So I, we already talked about the empty nest syndrome, but I thought it'd be really fun for me to test whether we're in empty nest denial. Oh, empty nest. What denial? Now we know you're not, but maybe you can look back and say, were, were any of these things relatable? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. First, first one, you are surprised to come home to a clean kitchen. Yes or no? 
Uh, that's a no for me. Not surprised. What about you? Were you surprised way back in the day when you would come home to a spotless kitchen? Wait, I don't know well, if I'm not understanding the question correctly. What is wrong with me and my questions? I don't know. Are, okay. Is the question now that I'm an empty nester, nester you, I'm surprised to come home and find And how find clean the kitchen still clean. Okay. I am. Yes. The girls Let's, come well, and go. Yes. Right. I have two girls that rural travelers, but the great thing is we moved into an apartment in New York and in the second bedroom, my husband wanted a den, a little aside here. And he's like, we'll have a pull out. And I was like, no, 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 no. We're going to have a bed so that the girls come home, you know, wherever yeah. they roam, wherever they travel, they're always coming home to home. It's really cozy at home. But when they come home, which is often, then everything gets real messy yeah. and real salty. Yeah. So yes, when they leave again, I'm always looking at that clean kitchen. It's like a you yeah. know, okay, yes. Yeah. So I changed my answer is yes. You know, honestly, you know, I'm very married to a very neat, orderly, like he is a neat freak guy. And so everything is always put away and orderly like you. But I sometimes like, I, like our carpet doesn't even change the marks from the, the yeah. what do you call it? The vacuum cleaner. Like It just feels like no one's been here. It's, it is a little weird. Okay. Sorry. I was not thinking the same lines. Okay. Two boys, maybe I'm more apt to do this. Do you drive by a McDonald's, an In-N-Out, or Chick-fil-A and still get that urge to hit it real quick? (laughs) Because your kid, like, did you not do that? Like, oh, God, let me pick up some Chick-fil-A just in case the kids are home and they're hungry. Donna? Not a me. Nope. (laughs) But I never had a boy. Never had a boy. Doesn't. You don't have to have a boy. You do, don't you? You still think, well, right, let me swing by just in case. And then you I don't always, think oh. about it for them. I think about it for me. Oh, jeez, Elise. Yeah, you- I'm sorry. I'm a junk food junkie. She, I always have been. Dur- she loves <laughs> wiener schnitzel. Question. Hot dog. I know I do. Yeah. Dur- okay. wiener schnitzel for all of us. Yeah. Okay, last one. I've been doing this. Okay. I'm just saying. Let's see. I refuse to answer the home line because I'm still secretly thinking it's the school calling to (laughs) warn me about some mischief Sean's into. (laughs) I don't have that. Do you, I, I still get that like, oh, I'm not going to answer that. That's the school calling. Because <laughs> who yeah. else calls the landline? What, right? That's yeah. it. The gate and the, the fucking school. And I'm like, so I just don't. And I'm thinking, what am I doing? He's They're not going to call. Like, you know, anyone, yeah. any takers? Yeah. Yes. You ready? You ready? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay, wait for this. Uh-oh. We don't have a landline oh, anymore. Yeah. You are so advanced. I'm fully. Two years ahead of you. Yes. Fully flown empty quester. Wow. You know what? In this household. You're our Yoda empty quester. You are. You know, what does that say about us that we still hold on to that landline? I know people are moving that way, but there is something. Why? What is I that? No, because I don't there. even. Someone said, I left you a message on your home line. I'm like, oh, I never checked that. <laughs> I know, right? The doctor's office. And it even, even and the, the phone, it looks like. I don't know. Like, I'm going to see it in an episode of Stranger Things at this point. (laughs) All right. You did good. And you know what? that was a good one at the end. I want you to think about these things and continually hit Lisa and I up with, you got to let go. Yeah. I think you guys might be doing this. Yeah. 
I'm encouraging you to let go. Let go of the cordless phone. Yeah. Are we still recording? Because I want to tell you something else. If we are, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, we are. Lori. Yeah. You and I, when we first met, had a conversation, a really important conversation. And we both referenced Glennon Doyle. Oh, yeah. And in Untamed, Glennon Doyle talks about how we all get this one life. Get this one life. And... That's kind of what it's all about. And I think that the longer you are empty nesting, the more that it becomes apparent, like it's one precious life. That's what she says. We all had a one precious life and that's what the kids are doing. And if you come to this life stage with that kind of grace, you just know like, wow, this is their one precious life. It helps you let go. It's not always easy. Yeah. You can call me your Yoda. It's not always easy. I miss my kids like crazy even though they flew the nest many years ago. But, um, but yeah, there's, that's the grace in it. You know, they've got their one precious life. Well, yeah. And, and I don't want to end on a downer, but I'm going to, I, I think you spot on. And I also think that, you know, when you start to see illness with your friends, family members and whatnot, and, you know, I think it does tend to shake shake you up a little bit and put things in perspective. Like you don't want to have missed opportunities or what ifs. And at least I feel that way. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. We're going to end on a little song and uh, I'm going to bring Leonard Skinnerd into the house. All right. Okay. Let's do this. Cause you know why? Why? This is an iconic song. Do you know what song it is? Oh yeah. We're going to sing Freebird. Yeah, baby. Okay, so I'm going to play a little Freebird. I don't know if this is one we can sing unless we have a, a little joint in our hand because it's very <laughs> slow. But let's just at least end on it and let it soak in and then thank our listeners. How about that? Little Freebird, Leonard Skittered. See what I'm talking about? Slow. But boy, is this not a great song? We're free birds. I'm as free as a bird now. Yep. Yeah. Thank you, Donna, so, so very much for being our guest. And, I, you know, thank you for accommodating the time because yeah. I know that you're on East Coast and it's later. And I'm so happy to be with you guys. Thank you, Donna. This I was so fun. And thank you for so all fun. your enlightenment and being kind of that beacon ahead of us that we can, you know, refer to and learn from. Yeah, so. great role model. Yes. Check her out, gang. All right. All right. Take care. Bye, Donna. Bye, Bye Donna. Bye, listeners. Hey, gang, it's holiday season, and many of us are looking to both give back and pay it forward. As such, She's a 10 times 5 is proud to be partnering with another local San Diegan, Irene Ekdahl, who is a blossoming author and also a former San Diego foster youth. Irene is doing a great job with partnering and collaborating with foster youth and those children within the system. Her gratitude journal, Day and Night, is one in which foster youth can actually use and implement to help them feel positive emotions, relish good experiences, improve their health, deal with their adversity, and build strong relationships. So this is an opportunity, if you want to give back to those children, you can actually purchase an individual journal, or you can purchase a bulk charitable order, and Irene will deliver the journals to thousands of San Diego foster youth. So this is the call to action. If you want to participate and you want to give back to these kids, you can find these journals on Amazon, and we will also have the link in our bio on the She's a 10 times 5 Instagram account. All right, gang, let's do this.
Follow us on Instagram at She's a 10 times 5. Click on the link in our bio to listen. You can also find us on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to hit subscribe. 